Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. We're back on the things we say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we are in a new spot. We are. We're out of the dungeon. Yes, and into the light, (laughs) as it were. I mean, there would be light in here if it was, you know, daytime, but it's not. I mean, we have lights on. I don't know why I'm saying this. But just so you know, if you're hearing extra noises, it's because my wife is currently putting my children to bed. And uh, they're normally in bed by now, but we let them stay up a little bit later, so... And you may hear random exclamations. It's not us. Since we're in a new place, it's a little more echoey than the other place. Because yes. I'm not totally sure why. But I, Well, I think it's because the ceiling's a little higher. Could and be. there's nothing on the walls yet. So we'll see how that develops as we go. But yeah, it's, an, it's a new space, a new place. It's, it's probably the most disordered place in our new house. It's become the catch-all for all the random things that we... Well, don't you have a young family, yet. and you moved a week ago, yes. so there's a, there's plenty of grace yes. for <laughs> taking it, a moment to get everything. But it still it still feels pretty okay in here. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> this isn't a did you know? I had a couple did you knows tonight, and they've all as as is tradition. They go completely out of my head <laughs> when we hit record. <laughs> but I thought I would just share with you one thing that I just cannot stand. Give it lemons and water. Oh. At restaurants. Okay. Now, I always want one, I think. But when it comes around, <laughs> I, I, if, if I forget, I usually order a lime. If you're yeah. at a place that has a bar, you can get a lime at right. least in your water. Right. Because limes don't have seeds. The seeds from the lemon oh. are the thing that drives me just completely bananas. Because you're a straw user. I use straws all the time. So it'll, it'll sneak up on you in the straw. Wait, people don't. There's. Oh, I don't use straws. You will just. Use the cup? Yes. Oh. I mean, I don't know what the big deal is. We do that all the time with every cup that we drink out of. Yeah. I mean, I'll use them like if I go to a fast food place and I've got something in my car, I'll use a straw then because right. they've got it They've got it anchored in the middle. But just in an open top cup, I won't use it because a straw will turn on you and poke in the nose, poke in the eye when you're not looking, like it just get you just wrong. And I just don't, I don't like it. You drink faster with a straw. Your That's drink true. will go away way quicker with a straw. Yeah. And so I've just never liked them. And so, yeah, no straws well, for the me. The seeds sink to the bottom. They and go they up, the, up straw, the straw. And yep. right now, I have one in the back of my throat oh, yeah. because I got one in my iced tea. And I and so you try and squeeze the lemon out or use your fork and get the seed yeah. out of there. But there must have been one in there already from them sticking it yeah. on the side of the glass. Totally get happens. that. Not a problem for me, but I totally get that. <laughs> so, yeah, I always get... Um, I always ask for lemon and orange in my water because that combination is just nice. There but that's go. it. That's the end. That's the, that's the extent of my story. I don't really have much to add to that. But yeah, no. if, I were, if I were a straw user, I could totally see that being annoying for certain. This is a horrible did you know. It's not really a did you know, though. This, this is like my did you knows that were always personal anecdotes, which Nelson hated apparently so much, or at least made fun of me for every time. <laughs> would so, say those are not I, ha- I had an actual did you know too, and it's completely escaped me as well. <laughs> I had it occur to me multiple times this week where I was like, oh, 
I should do that one. Oh, I should do that one. I don't know what it is. I, have I no even idea. told Jess one today, and she's like, "Really? That's amazing." And yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, we were talking about Benjamin oh, Franklin, ben Franklin and yeah. his cadavers. Yes. That they found in his London house. Yeah. Was it fifteen or sixteen bodies worth that were of buried? Yeah. In his conspicuous, cellar. Yeah. Yeah. His conspicuously. His, yeah. His, his. Yeah. And it was some were children, and people were freaking out. Right. Like, Initially, like, oh, was Ben Franklin a serial killer? No. Ben Franklin was a medical explorer, just like he was of other things. And so he illegally purchased cadavers and brought them in to have them yeah. d- dissected and learn learned some things so while he was in London. Ben Franklin was not a serial killer. No, he was not. But, but honestly, creepy. that would that would have made an epic uh, twist <laughs> for him to have been, <laughs> ended up being a serial killer. National treasure is going to take a whole new turn yeah, that's as we <laughs> dig up the bodies of the founding fathers, <laughs> not their bodies, the ones they buried. Yes, that's right. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I basically have a theory about serial killers because there's that oh, whole thing where like... I know what it was. Oh, give it. Give it up. <laughs> give it up. Go ahead. You had a theory. No, I don't want to No, just it. my theory about serial killers is that, uh, you know, the, the whole thing where they... And I'm sure this is not just me. This is not like I have some extra brilliance that I've found. But uh, the whole thing of always, oh, men are always serial killers. Men are are always serial killers. Okay, fair enough. The ones they've caught have always been men. I am of the opinion that (laughs) the serial killers that we have not caught and or don't know about are women. I don't think there are not women serial killers because I don't think there's been a few. Yes, but even those are weird. Yeah. Like they're unusual circum. Now, I think that the the impulsive serial killer that we have typically when we see them, I think that is pretty distinctly male. But I think the women who are serial hmm. killers have an, the ability to wait. I think it is just as emotional and just as much as of a need for them to do it. But I think the self control is far greater. And so they don't escalate in the same ways. They're methodical and they can just wait it out and do the thing. Huh. The ones that they've caught that have been women have been the ones that have, have just randomly shot men or they, you know, they're prostitutes who hate their clients and that, well, what prostitute wouldn't hate their clients? I mean, let's be real for the most part. But, uh, so that's my theory is that, yeah. you know, the ones I've always, I've always wondered if Jack the Ripper wasn't a woman. Hmm. That's my daughter. I explain how they get away. <laughs> That's my loudest daughter. <laughs> the loudest. Anyway, what was the thing that you remembered? Oh, uh, so Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. Yes. The There is a timeline in which Big Bird could have been on the Challenger. Oh, no. I just had a mental picture of just feathers everywhere. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. <laughs> because they were thinking of, they were trying to, NASA was working on ways to get people more interested in space exploration and what they were doing with the space shuttle and all of that. And one of the ideas was, let's take a favorite character or something that kids would connect with, put it on the space shuttle. (laughs) And so the idea was to put the Big Bird suit on space shuttle and have Big Bird do things from space. The problem was the suit was a little too big and it wasn't going to work out. So they changed course and put a teacher on that flight. And that was the whole thing then when they all blew up where yeah. everybody's like, oh, and there was a teacher on there and this is the saddest thing ever. And I'm like, it was almost Big Bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Have you seen the we did we talk about that on here? The challenger, how the conspiracy theory? The conspiracy that they're all still alive. Yeah. Yeah, which I makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. At one point. I mean, I've seen the videos and like the people comparing them. I'm like, yeah, these look like, but there's no like yeah. it makes no sense. Nothing was gained. You can't have a conspiracy theory where nothing is gained. It doesn't make it that's like the moon landing. Nothing is really gained. I know you think it is. I don't know why I th- really bad when I did that. I don't know. Daffy ducked it. Yeah. I, I know you think there was a thing, but there wasn't. There was no thing. NASA already had a ton of money. NASA didn't need and uh, I mean it's just uh, there's nothing. Nothing yes. that you can point out. There has to be a thing and there just isn't they, for the They challenger. wanted to blow up one of their ships but without people on it. Yeah, cuz reasons. I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. The one sense thing at all. about the venue that we're in, this this room in your house has big glass doors. Yes. So you can see everybody that goes yes. running by. And I've seen no bugs in here yet. No, that's really good. Yes. That has been a big improvement over the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, uh, for that challenger whole challenger thing, that was one of Ronald Reagan's best moments was his his speech. Uh oh really? After that. Oh yeah, it's so good. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not long. Maybe I'll have to play it for you after we're done here. But it's there we go. it's excellent. It's it's one of his best by far. <laughs> I just saw somebody do a mashup of Barack Obama announcing the death of Osama bin Laden <laughs> and Trump doing Abu Bakar al Baghdadi. <laughs> the one is a written speech that's delivered professionally, and the other one is just. Trump freelancing in the middle of the night for 45 minutes. You know, the funny part about <laughs> in that is... which Trump goes on to say that <laughs> he's going to write a book. He's already written 12. Oh, my word. I'm like, why are we talking about you writing books? <laughs> Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi he has died. died. He died, he died, like, died a like a dog. I remembered watching that, man. <laughs> I remembered watching that, and you know, and I remember watching the one with with Bin Laden as well. Right. But I will say it, the thing I remember about that, and I could be remembering the wrong speech, but I think it was it was a very professionally set up. You yeah. know, I remember President Obama coming out of a door and then like kind of walking down a hallway to the to the podium. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, this is a little much. Like this is a little too like. I mean, it was Osama bin Laden. Yeah, but it was literally the polar opposite with Trump. I looked at that. I'm like, this is a little much, but for totally different reasons. Oh, my god! I would have liked them to at least give us bin Laden's body in some way that was a little bit better than we're going to bury him him at at sea. sea. Yeah. Let's verify this a little bit better. Yeah. There are some weird things with that. I mean, again, I don't really buy into a lot of the conspiracy theory where those things are related. Uh we obviously have very weird relationship with the Taliban and of course with ISIS later uh, because of the cold war. There's a lot of strange ties and connections and money and weapons and things where you can directly point to the fact that the U S essentially created what would later cause nine 11. And I don't mean because of foreign policy. I mean, directly uh, that the, the paper trail is absolutely there. Um, But also that was one of those unforeseeable yeah. Things where they just went, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and the Soviets are the enemy right now, so let's deal with that. Right. Um, which is We're kind human of do- history. doing similar things again, where yeah. anybody who's the enemy of the Russians is yeah. our friend. Yeah. Seems like that's Even not a- Nazis. 
<laughs> Actual Nazis. Uh-oh. Yeah, literal Nazis. Yeah, can we say that word? <laughs> we can say it if we're referring to the real actual political movement. That's yes. a real one. Yes. Real Nazis. <laughs> For some reason, by the way, I don't know why, but I have watched them. Uh, lately, YouTube has just decided that I want to see Schindler's List clips. And so it's been randomly throwing them at me for no reason that I can understand. Um, I don't know that I could watch that movie anymore. No. The last time I watched it, I was not a parent. Right. And now that I am, I'm even specifically thinking of that little girl in the pink jacket scene. Like, I don't Ain't think. no way. I don't think I could do it now as a parent. But I was fascinated watching some of these clips because... There's two things that always equally horrify me whenever I see anything related to the Holocaust, whether that's... Yeah. There's a lot of great movies. Uh, the Pianist is a great one. Uh, Life is Beautiful, which I believe is an Italian film. Great movie. Uh, I saw that dubbed probably when I was 14 or 15 years old, and I haven't hmm. seen it since, but it really left an impression. I specifically remember a lot about it. But I'm always horrified by two things. Obviously, the first thing I'm horrified by is the ability for people to look at other people and be able to treat them that way. Right. Like I do not understand that at all. Just, right. just the whole irregard for life at right. all. Like I don't understand that. Now I do, I do get that most of the people that were in the SS that did this stuff, they were basically brainwashed from, you know, the Hitler youth as young children all the way up into it. So they never really had a shot in some of those ways. Obviously it's not an excuse for what they chose to do. Uh, but I do understand that it was a long-term indoctrination that we just got to saw, see the end result of. But I don't understand how you look at another person right. and and can treat them. I mean, I wouldn't treat an animal that way. I couldn't even no. imagine treating an animal that way. So that blows my mind. But then there's also the part of me that I look at it and I'm like, you guys didn't do anything. Like your rights were curtailed. You were started. You were you were hauled into these places, and nobody did anything. Like you just put your head down and thought, well, we'll just survive. Because again, in past times right. that's what happened they just put their head down they survived they relocated someplace else granted in places like poland it had been 600 right. years but they all had the they had passed down the stories of this mm. happening before um and of course none of them really believed the whole extermination camp thing and all that but like uh, both of those things equally it's not even horrifying i just i don't understand like i, I yeah which again is why you see the militancy in israeli politics that you see now because that was their their rally cry coming out of World War II, like, we will not ever do this again. Like, right. we will never just easily march to the slaughter ever again. And, of course, they have stood by that and, some would argue, have gone in excess of that. That is neither here nor there, but we'll leave right. that alone. Nelson's not here to harp on that one way or the other, <laughs> so we'll let that go. But anyway, yeah, so for some reason, it's decided I want to see Schindler's List clips, and it's been showing me that a lot. Yeah, my Instagram has decided that I need to see at least one or two people die every day in yeah. workplace accidents or... Yeah. Uh, setting something on fire that they shouldn't have or yeah. wrecking their cars. Yeah. <laughs> Things that, without full context, can be funny. Let's be <laughs> right. honest. Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> I have no context to this, but uh, it does seem like we were doing something that should not have been done. <laughs> this is just another episode of what Play Stupid Games, Win Stupid Prizes. This right. is what we can do. Anyway, this is not, and none of this is why we're here. None of this is why we're here. Close. That last 15 minutes was for free. That was for free, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a much better view of our time countdown from yes, here. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, we're all just adjusting to the new Yeah, hopefully you're not going to feel intimidated by that, because usually I'm the only one that can see it. Right. So, And now I'm ignoring it entirely, so that's a whole yeah. thing. Um. One of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight a little bit was uh, Gnosticism. And the, one, of, one of the things that there's been a couple touch points for me 
lately. One was obviously scrolling Instagram, and there was a clip of a new show um, that's on Amazon Prime that has a bunch of Christians reacting to it badly because they're saying, "Oh, it glorifies Satan and mm. it and his demons, and it's talking about hell, and God is the." Uh, is the villain yeah. in this whole thing and his and heaven and the angels are villains and it's recasting these things and we as Christians need to stand up and say this is not okay and I'm watching some uh, at least the clip that I watched and I'm like well that's not that's not anything new the, right. none of this is new we're reacting to it as if Amazon's making up this right cartoon TV show and it's something that we need to react to and I'm like this is just Gnosticism. Right. And um, listening to Joe Rogan and some of the people he has on and, and the way people are talking about DMT and, yeah. and uh, psilocybin and any anything, ayahuasca, you had right. Aaron Rodgers going on an ayahuasca retreat right. and all this stuff. And so some of that stuff is starting to come into vogue. But if you listen to the stories of people that will go on these trips and the beings they encounter and what they learn and what they come back saying, it's like, well, what I, ex I, I might not be a religious person, but what I experienced there was very real. Yeah. And I gained this knowledge and felt this kind of love and my uh, feelings regarding death I, I have a lot more peace about mm. dying and going away it's not going to be as horrible as i thought and a lot of that is connecting people with gnostic thought it, yeah. it's and, and it's almost all gnostic message messaging yeah and people are in, in dis different spheres are repeating some of the same things that we've already, already dealt seen. with yeah hundreds and thousands of years ago in Christian history. And, and, uh, I got, I got to looking into it some more and I was like, I need to talk with Nate about Gnosticism yeah. a little bit here on the podcast, because I feel like today Christians, when they encounter this, they don't know what it is because we have lived in a Christian society that has had Christian base points underneath where people right. know the story of Adam and Eve. Right. Know so they the have story some point of, of reference. And, yeah. and so when you're in a Christian society, there's certain assumptions and stories that people know and, and underlying thoughts. And as you move into a post-Christian society, there's going to be not only people encountering Christianity for the first time in its realness, right. but also encountering heresies and, right. and, and, and a divergent thoughts. Yeah. That comes that has a Christian background, but rejects some of the things that underlie it. So one of the main objections people have to the God of the Old Testament is huh. that he's mean, he's unloving, he's very judgmental, he just smokes people from on high, and you gotta he's a jealous God, and you can have no other gods before him. And, right. And it's and people are like, well, I don't want to follow somebody that seems that vindictive, and right. you know. Which is, again, Fickle the, the epitome of somebody who you can tell has not actually read the Bible. Right. They've heard stories that maybe they were told as a child by an adult who was trying to get them to do something or behave a particular way. Yeah. And they're basing their view of the Old Testament God on that. Or you don't have much of a background, but you have a favorable view of Christianity, and then somebody starts cherry-picking passages yep. and being like, 
Well, right here, God says to kill all the men, women, and children in this entire town. That is that the God that you're following? The one that says, you know, if somebody does this and this, you should cast them out of the camp and stone them. Right. You know, that's the kind of God you want to follow. He's writing laws like that. And so Gnosticism would would allow you to hold on to the idea of Jesus coming to reveal something higher. Yeah. Um, and but it'll allow you to reject the God of the Old Testament. Yes. You don't you don't need that anymore. You know, yes. he's a he's just the demiurge. He's right. the one that created and we can get into that a little bit, right. but he's the one that created matter and all this stuff. Right. And but all of that is we're trapped in this natural world. But really the higher knowledge, the higher thought, uh, the knowledge of good and evil that God is trying to hide from us and that the serpent so, you know, nicely revealed Helpfully. to whoever. Yeah, yeah. Help, he's just helping us along to this higher knowledge and ayahuasca helps us and, uh, you know, DMT and all this helps yeah. us gain this higher knowledge. And you don't need, you know, you don't need that God. He's right. not even that important in the whole scheme of things. Right. And, and that's attractive to people right. that are encounter that maybe had a, just a baseline understanding of Christianity but they don't know how to sort through how God is being presented to them by people right. that and and you and I both have delved into a lot more Old Testament than most people have. Yes, not even because of our schooling, but because of other things that we've discovered. Because we're interested in. Yes, it. and we would have very different answers now as to why these people groups were completely wiped out. Right. And the reasoning behind that, that for us was a lights coming on moment where we go, that makes total sense because there are certain things where as a Christian, you look at God in the Old Testament, you're like, what changed here? Right. But I don't look at it in the sense that I go, this is a totally, there's, this is totally out of character with the God I know, but there's clearly a, a defining line right. between when Christ comes and what's happening before. Um, and again, I feel like I have better answers for that. But one of the biggest things, I had somebody come to me with that question once in a small group. Uh, just about well, why, what about these things where he's, you know they're killing children doing all this? Like that seems a little severe. What is that? And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I don't have a good answer for this, right? And so I told her, I said, I don't have a good answer for this. Let me go and think about it and look at it a little bit. And what I came back to, and I forget where the where the reference is, but where it talks about how God was patient with even these other people until their wickedness had come to a full place, right? And then destroyed them. And so I yeah. basically look at that as there was attempt at redemption here. Just like we see with Israel, we see this story of we're holding your hand, we're trying to bring you along, we're trying to bring you back. I'm trying to I'm trying to call you back to repentance. And eventually saying, if you don't, this is what is going to happen. This is what I'll let happen. Right. And then he did. These other nations came in, they wiped them out, they destroyed their land, they scattered them to the wind. It is exactly what you saw happen when Israel came into Canaan. And so I just basically ended up coming back to her and said, from what I see and what I understand. It's not explicit, but from what we see with ancient Israel, we don't know to what extent God tried to extend mercy to these people, and they just rejected it out of hand multiple times to the point where he just said, all right, then And God done used is done. Israel to judge yes. the people of the land. Right. And In the same way that he used Assyria to judge the people of Israel. and is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. And Abraham is like... And, and that's what makes the Bible... To me, so believable. Mm. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And 
Abraham's like, yeah, but my nephew lives there. Surely, <laughs> like, he's a good dude. And God's like, yeah, the promise extends to him, and he's with you. So, yeah, uh, he's, we'll consider right. his family we'll take care righteous. Of him. And Lot, from what we know in the scriptures, probably deserved judgment yes. for plenty of things that he had done. But from his connection to the family of faith, he's... God's like, yeah, we'll we'll count him as righteous, and and Abraham works his way all the way down to like, what is it, ten? I think ten. If you yeah. find if you find ten righteous people, you will spare the city. And God's like, absolutely, and then smokes the city. That's right. <laughs> he pulls out six people, something yeah. like that, yeah. five six people, and and even then, some of them kind of by force. Yeah, and <laughs> even the ones he rescued within a couple days are fornicating with each other. Yes, it's like. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was a whole mess. Incest, sorry, yes. not fornication. I mean, technically both things. Both things can <laughs> both be true. Things both things. In one family. It was all icky. The, the righteous ones that got pulled out of that. And the whole town was trying to mate with the angels that came in. Right, which is a whole... Again, there's a lot behind <laughs> there's that. There's a reason why they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not just purely issues but, of homosexuality. But we can't really look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and be like, well, there's got to be a lot of good people in there. Right. <laughs> Clearly. Cause there weren't, not there good. wasn't, yeah, there wasn't anything left. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people have trouble with God meeting out judgment here on earth before the judgment that comes after death. Right. But there the, the process of justice, God was, God was bringing justice in the here and now, mm-hmm. and a lot of what what we cry out for in the age of grace is, God, where is your justice? Mm-hmm. Like, we want your justice to roll like a river. We want things set right, and sometimes it's hard to say, well, someday he's going to set it right. Right. You know, people seem to be getting away with evil. Yeah, right. but he's going to set it right. Right. And there is something to that justice in the Old Testament where God just was setting things right, judging people in the here and now, and, right. okay, separate your tents from those people, and then the ground swallows them up. Right. Well, I guess Moses is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there is something to God being that clear and that direct, yeah. but people couldn't commune with a holy God that way. Right. It, he was he was on the mountain. He was on the cloud. He was in the pillar of fire, but he was in this unapproachable holy space. Yeah, and the people would beg Moses to go before him and all that. So yeah. it's it's a different interaction than what we have now with after Jesus right had with having come the Holy and, Spirit reside inside and, of us and yeah, all those things yes. tore the veil and all that. So there's been a transition, but it is hard for people just with a cursory knowledge to look into these things and say. Yeah, this doesn't jive. This doesn't make right. sense. And if you are a Christian, I think one of the best things you can do is take the passages that don't make sense to you, mm. write them down, and start looking for Spend answers. Spend some time with them, yeah. Don't just be like, I have no idea why it would say this. Yeah. There are answers out there. Yes, there are. Some that are very strange, but some that also answer a lot of the questions that you've had and make a lot of sense. So let's let's get into Gnosticism a little bit. Yes, that let's, was a long yeah, divergent let's, trail. Let's get in it. We, we're all about that tonight. Again, it's been too long since we've sat across from each other. This is what happens. We have to get all of our things out. So, so Gnosticism, again, 
I'm trying to think of how best to describe it because it is a it is a very wide ranging right set of beliefs and thoughts that come from various sources. So for some of it, it has its roots in Plato. Yes. So for Plato, God or the highest good existed beyond the material universe and was perfect. So it wouldn't have created right. an imperfect world. It was, it, it was essentially a God that was separated from all things. So he posited that there was an existence of a secondary power called a demiurge who created matter substance in the physical right. realm. So which the demiurge is is divine but on a lower right. level of knowledge where they're not even quite aware of themselves enough to say what what the demiurge does is creates all this matter and physical world in order to serve itself. Right. And the demiurge would be Later in Gnostic thought, they changed that to, okay, Yahweh or Allah or whoever you think of yeah. as the supreme being of this world, that's just the demiurge that right. created this world to be his place subservient to essentially. himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I and if I remember correctly, there's this there's a there's a point in this where the the supreme being, whatever it is, separated off pieces of itself. Yeah, the where these demiurges came from, and so the, the demonic higher, and all these higher things. knowledge, yeah. whatever yeah. you want to call that, and their pantheon is crazy. Yeah. so it's tough to even get into it and sort and, it. And all there's out. a quality between the dark and light powers in this too, between yes. the good and the evil powers. Now again, and there's equality this, between male right. and female, and the higher knowledge is sometimes portrayed as female, right? And that divine spark. One of, one of the legends in how this works is as the Demiurge creates man and breathes life into man, they don't realize it, but they're passing along the divine spark that exists within them. And the only reason man actually comes to life is because they've been passed along with that divine spark right. of this, whatever this, it is. The secondhand uh, right. aspect of, of the, the supreme being. It's, it's secondhand knowledge. But that's the whole thing is like, well, you, you'll probably get into it, but that's how salvation occurs is by reuniting right. your divine spark back to that higher knowledge that's right. higher than the God of this right. world. This and and as with so many things, this is, this is contingent on a secret knowledge. It's hidden a knowledge that's yeah, hidden, secret, that's kept, yeah. that's, that's only passed along to some who understand it to others who will then understand it and embrace it. So this has all of the trimmings of a, what I would call a modern cult uh, to it, which is very strange right. because it is an ancient heresy uh, and, and, and it is not new. Um, but it, what's interesting to me, and, and you touched on this, but uh, when we were talking about it earlier, is how much of this kind of thought has permeated the church in the West particularly. Um, and I would say in, in charismatic circles to the greatest degree, yeah. Um, because it it is so focused on the spiritual separated from the physical. Yeah, the and it is simplistic to say that Gnostics would believe that everything physical is bad and the only the spiritual is good, but if that helps you understand, right. it, that's kind of the I think thinking I there. think a better word is to say they believe that all physical things are corrupt in some way. Mm. They're imperfect. Or corruptible yeah. or already yeah, corrupted. They're, they're imperfect or right. can be made imperfect. Right. Whereas the spiritual is perfect. It is perfect. And yeah. so therefore it can be, which again, 
sounds so close when you're talking about depravity and the fallen nature of the world. But no, because again, if we believe what we believe is real, yeah. then we believe that Christ was fully human and fully divine. And, and according to why... Gnostic thought, he could not be fully human because he was not incorruptible. Yes. If he was if he was fully human. Uh and the way they would say it is that he was either uh he just appeared yes. as a man. Yes. And he was basically in a ghost form, but he appeared as a man. The other Gnostic teaching is that he would have received his divine knowledge revealed to him at his baptism. Right. And then his essence or his spark or whatever it was would have left before the crucifixion. Right. That's how they would get around it because they do have to deny the crucifixion and resurrection right. and incarnation. Right. Um, because the perfect could not inhabit the imperfect. Right. And that's why you get early church fathers hammering on the idea that Jesus was fully God and fully man. It's right. to combat Gnostic thought yeah. where... and. To get back to what you were saying about charismatic movement and all of that, a lot of it is saying, man, if I just spent more time yep. in spiritual things, doing things spiritually, right, denying myself physically, natural, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me just fast and pray for hours and just deny myself anything physical. And, and the more spiritual I become, the more enlightened I become, the closer I am to God. And right. if I could just go on the have these visions and go on these right. trips and just right. get out of my body that would be the thing i right. can't wait to get out of this physical body right and that's not the that's life not christianity that God, no. that's not christianity no that and and i've called it christian gnosticism which is a oxymoron it is, you can't right. you can't have christian gnosticism they're, right. they're opposed but christian gnosticism in my mind is is like okay my in my war between my spirit and my flesh, I, you know, you see some of this in scripture enough where depending how you read it, you're like flesh, bad, spirit, yeah. good. Yeah. And if I just lean into the spirit, then I become more and more spirit out. Now I'm 80% spirit and 20% right. flesh. And now I'm 90% spirit. This right. is even better. Right. You know, and, and well, and what gets missed in this, in this discussion is they're thinking that it's talking about, the flesh, as in our physical, yes. and the and the the small s spirit, yes. as in our our own spirit. No, no, no. They're talking about the spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God Himself, right? Versus my fallen spirit, my fallen nature that's right. being redeemed, that's being changed. That's nature. those are the yeah. things that Paul is talking about when he's making those references. But again, that's where the translation is made a little screwy, uh, and and we we kind of miss that a little bit. So there's reasons why the church has embraced some of these thoughts, yep. um, particularly the Protestant church. Uh, you do not see a whole lot of Gnosticism in Catholicism. No. You do not see a whole lot of They're Gnosticism. They're probably the strongest yeah. against Gnosticism. Yeah. I, would, I would put them in Eastern Orthodox probably very much you know, simpatico in these things, even though there are some Catholics who would disagree. But that's and fine. They led crusades against Gnostics. That's so. that's right. That's right. They actually did the things. <laughs> they did the real things. They burnt the people. villages. That's right. So so there's not a whole lot of that that you see in in the more ancient forms of Christianity because again, as you're saying, they directly confronted it. So they have had very spe specific teaching about this. But this is why it's important, especially in the Protestant circles, to talk about 
the physical death and resurrection of Christ, the physical resurrection of the dead that we believe will happen at the end right. of days. These things are important uh, because to Gnosticism, to these things, this was not a thing. We become spirit and we become perfect and our flesh is shed and we get to move on. And again, it's this whole idea of even what you see in a lot of the dispensationalist, uh, uh, you know, end time stuff, your, your, uh, your, uh, you know, left behind kind of stuff. You hear a lot of this stuff that, uh, this is the kind of thing we're looking at. It's it is not, uh, it is not orthodox Christian thinking, and I say that in the generic term of orthodox, not in the Eastern or the Catholic right. sense. Um, so there's a lot of these things that we've accepted, um, and the language is all over the place. Yeah, and another advantage of Gnosticism would be that you don't have to follow church tradition. Right, you don't have to follow quote-unquote, the teachings of men and, right. and all of this stuff. So you can throw off the structure of traditional church or traditional faith, um, all of that, because there is yeah. this higher knowledge that exists. Right. You just have to find ways of tapping into it and finding it, and that's what basically is going to save you, quote-unquote. It's not, it's not salvation in the way that we would think about it, but it's more... And that was one of the things that the early church levied against Gnostics is that they didn't have the change in behavior yes. that Christians would because they weren't worried about anything physical. Right. Like, who cares? It, it's all about this knowledge that I have or don't right. have. And then my physical behavior... Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, modern Gnostics would say that's that's a straw man. And right. there, there are, oh, look, I do have a conscience and I'm Gnostic. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> God has set certain natural laws in place. Yes, people just in, inevitably they do know these things for sure. Um, right. Yeah. Th this is always. This is just. I never know where to go with this because it's such a. It. It's a. I but, don't. I don't know how to have this discussion yes. without specifically offending certain groups. But I'm also not sure that we shouldn't offend them. I think we've offended everybody so yeah, far. Yeah, already. We've already hit... We've except, hit charismatics. We've yeah, except <laughs> hit, for the Catholics. Hit and Catholics the, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, I guess we did. We did. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I feel bad. I don't feel bad. I just... <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to tread that line because, again, one of the one of the ways that I see Gnosticism currently at work in the church in its, in its most, I would say, pernicious form is in our view of the demonic... Right and the dark realms as somehow equal to, yes, the kingdom of God, and I don't mean that in the sense that we're trying to give glory to powers of darkness, the powers of hell, whatever you want to you know, describe it as, Satan, you know, whatever. But we think of it as a a tug of war that is currently happening, or like there's some like, and that we have to contribute somehow it's to the, the battle. It's the angel so on we, one shoulder yeah. and the demon on the other. Let me be very clear. The cross event, as I will call it right now, finished all of that. It is done. This is not a matter of a great battle that needs to be fought and it's going to be close and, oh, we're not going to know until the fourth quarter who's going to and what. We've got these promises. No, no, no. It's done. Right. And the kingdom of darkness knows it's done. All they're doing, I, I heard somebody say this and I love it. I will use it. All they're doing is punting. Trying they're to run trying out to the run clock. out the clock as, as long as they possibly can right. to continue to have as much time as they can. But their their time, their era, their power is done, is completely defeated. 
Now, I know right now there are a lot of people who are in uh, certain circles of spiritual warfare, certain circles of deliverance ministries, things like that, who, as I'm saying this, are pearl-clutching and think that it's just absolutely awful. Let me be very clear. I don't, I don't believe that this means that these things do not actually have the ability to mess up people's lives. Right. They still do. These powers still do. But once someone has been exposed to Christ, once the reality and and the the victory of Christ has been declared in someone's life, and they come to that full realization, that power is stripped because it's smoke and mirrors. It's deception. Right. And people give in to that deception, but it is deception nonetheless. They have no actual power. The cross stripped them of that. Full stop. Yeah. And this is the one thing where I feel like the church at large has to figure this out. And the... I guess what I would say in all that, to simplify it a little bit, I believe there's nowhere near as many demons no. as people think there are. There are 7 billion people in the world. There are not that many demons. There are not, there's not a demon for every person. Right. They are finite, single, single place at a time entities. They are yeah. not they're God. Not they're omnipresent. not omnipresent. They're not omniscient. Right. None of those things. None and, of those things. And, People will claim to have, you know, multiple spirits and all of this attacking them and all of that. And I'm like, I, I hear what you're saying. Unless you're a unique person that's uniquely attacked here. Yeah. There's not enough of these things to go no. around. And the hosts of heaven are way more. Yes. Than what we're talking about here yeah. in, in the realm of evil. Right. It, if it nothing not, else, you just want to go with the whole idea of like there's a third of them and two thirds of the other. Right. There is not this dualism where no. it's yin and yang and we don't know who's going to win today. Is it God or is it Satan? Yeah. And that, that's not what we're talking about. No. But there's a lot of Christian thought that has that assumption as the baseline. Where yeah. It's like, oh, you know, the. Kind of the screw tape letters idea where there's a demon for each person right. and he's trying to affect right. this guy and all of that. Which is a great book. I love it's that It's a great book. book. Yeah. But, but the, de the, the demonology in the book is really, really bad. It's yeah, really not it, good and at it, all. It, it, I don't think it was intended to be demonology. No. It was more narrative right. than anything. Right, more than anything else, because that's yeah. what C.S. Lewis did. <laughs> he, he created fantastic narrative and did random things. <laughs> Hang on, my daughter's at the door. What do you need, baby? Why don't you come say goodnight to me right now? There you go. Come here. I love you, Munchie. Come kiss. Good night. Ooh. You okay? Yeah. See you tomorrow. Well, that was adorable. There uh, you go. <laughs> but I How do, could you say no? I know. You can't you say You just no see them at the window I right know. there. But I, I do think that's the place where almost universally the church has, has too much embraced this thought pattern. Uh, particularly the church in America. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. So yeah, you were you were the one who really brought this. So I need to I need to talk less. I need to I need to hear from you. No, no, this it's, was the... it's fine. Um it it for me, I just think that people run into this thinking without knowing what it is yeah. and where it leads to. Yeah. And they'll embrace parts of it. Because we see things like, oh, my soul is eternal. And yes, there are real spiritual experiences that happen. Yeah. They've happened to you. They've happened to me. Right. And they are fantastic. Like interacting with the Holy Spirit is one of the most precious, priceless things yeah. 
out there. Yes. And to know God and be known by him is one of the biggest goals that any of us could have. Right. And so we would sacrifice anything for it. Yeah. But to get to the place, one of the things that that will, I think, help people immensely is to realize that Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, Mm. he was both God and man, and he walked in the flesh and did life as we experience it. Yeah. And it's good for that to happen. Yeah. It's good to be in a physical body and have a supernatural power inhabiting you yeah. as you do that, right? Um, as you go through your everyday work. It's not giving up everything physical to totally focus on that. We're going to have right. eternity for that. What What is beautiful about this 80 years or whatever it is that we're given here on earth is that we get to experience the physical and the spiritual in in the same in the, du- in yeah, the, uh, the, the duality of it yeah yeah you, i i don't i don't just get snapped up out of my body and <laughs> get to spend forever in heaven now right i will but that's not right now yeah right now i have the beauty uh, and what what did your dad say one time something about the worship that we give here is unlike the worship that we're going to be able mm. to give him when we're there. Yeah. Because we're giving him worship in the middle of pain, right? in the middle of sadness, in the middle of life, our human experience. Yeah. And that's different right. than when we're free of all that. Right. And we'll, we'll be free to enjoy him forever, but this worship that we give him now matters. Yeah. It, it, and it, it, it's it's just different. It's not better. It's not worse. But it is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. No, I do love that. I do. Yeah. I I can't remember how he said. No, it that's that's thought, really close. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, and that's <laughs> that's that's really really close. I mean, I had a thought while you were while you were getting into yeah. that, and and now it's escaped me, and I'm I'm very sorry for that because I think it was a good one that was going to lead us. But places. I I just the the rejection of the physical is the. Oh. Is the thing from Gnosticism that I think denies the Christian experience. Right. And this is, again, why you see certain things in the Gospels where they're trying to make this point. I mean, you know, Jesus got tired. Yes. Jesus got sleepy. Jesus got hungry. Right. You know, I mean, we're not specifically told, but, I mean, Jesus got cold. Like, he did all he the human sad. things. He, Yeah, he was sad. He cried. Right. He experienced all of what it was to be a man because right. he was a man. He experienced those things, and we're so clearly given that. And after his resurrection, we're given that too. You know, hey, you don't believe yep. me? Give me something to eat. You know, let me eat something right now. Again, and he says, you know, I see flesh and blood. You know, a ghost doesn't eat it. I'll you know, eat something. I'll make breakfast for you guys. <laughs> and then I'll we'll walk go through on a walks. <laughs> I'll disappear. <laughs> <laughs> but but there, it's so important to the to the aspects of the faith. And it's funny because I feel like if if. If people really understood what we believe fully, right? Because I think too often it's just, oh, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected, and that's it. Okay, yes, that that is probably the if you have to like put everything down to a central kernel. Yes, that's a good start. That is a point. good starting. That's where point. we all start. But that's not it. That's right. not everything that we believe. Uh, that's an event, a part of 
what allowed salvation for us. But there's so much more to what Jesus did and who he was and what the incarnation was and all of these things. And I think that we miss so much of the richness of our faith by not seeing those things. But I also think if people really understood everything that we actually believe and that we, the stuff that's in the book, right? if, if, if we really, I, I wonder what people would do oftentimes. Uh, now, I'm not saying that those who have not gone beyond that cursory knowledge, if they're walking faithfully with God, if they're walking faithfully with Jesus and, and letting the Holy Spirit, they're, they're fine. Yes. Like, I don't think this is a salvation this issue, is not, this, this yeah. kind of understanding by any means. Um, but it is very sobering and, for my mind, just interesting to dive into some of the, the depths of what we believe as Christians beyond just the salvation event. Um, and there's a lot there. There's a lot there that just Jesus' existence at all messes with and touches on. And yeah, again, where this heresy is concerned specifically, and I will use that word. There is no other, there is no other word for it. This is pure and simple. Um, a, a heretical uh, teaching and thought pattern. One of the things that I found interesting is if you listen to people that have had experience with, say, extraterrestrials, yeah, um, where they've gained some sort of knowledge or had some sort of conversation, right, and the types of things they'll begin saying or that they were taught or that they learned, it's these old yeah. fables being old retold yeah. and repackaged, yes, and a lot of the things surrounding. Uh, paranormal things like UFOs mm-hmm. or DMT experiences where you're seeing machine elves or giant serpents or whatever that's leading you on these journeys, or even some of the things that people are encountering in, in Eastern meditation, they're taking these old lies and repackaging them and handing them to you. Yeah. And people without a spiritual background experience this and they're like, well, this is clearly above anything that I've encountered yeah. in my natural self. But that's because this, we as Christians can look at that and say, the spirit world we've always believed is more real than right. the physical. Because right. right now we see through a glass darkly, someday we're going to see face to face. right? And we believe that ultimately that will be the most real experience. Right. That is the underlying baseline of everything. It is God, and he is holy. He is separate. We will experience that. We will occupy spiritual space. Yeah. We don't currently occupy spiritual no. space. We occupy physical space as eternal beings that will one day occupy right. spiritual space. And, and if, if we gain any access to spiritual space, it's by the initiation of the Holy Spirit of the alone. Holy, of the Holy Spirit there alone. There is because, nothing that we do yes. to cause that. We don't fast a certain way to have you know, these ecstatic experiences. We don't go to a certain people to have hands laid on us. No, it is the Holy Spirit's choice what we get and what we do not get. He does it. And you can't recreate it because you're not the one doing it. No. And that's why it's so difficult if you have an experience with God and you're like, man, he was there and I know, I know without a doubt that what I experienced was really real. Yeah. I just want that to happen again. You could repeat the same steps and right, nothing would happen. All the things, right. But then you go through your life and God knows what you need and when you need it. And right. he will give you the the power and the desire for what it is that, that you need at that time. Yeah. But 
when you take a substance like ayahuasca, DMT, something else that just like frees your mind, quote unquote, it, it, you may pop into spiritual space. You have no idea what you're popping into. Right. And, and that's some that's people have stuff that freaks them out. Right. They encounter things that they're like, I swear this thing was evil. Some people encounter things that they're like, I just felt this incredible love. Some people say, I feel like at first it was a, an initially good experience, but then it felt like it basically worse. this experience was just taking from me right. more than it was giving to me. And then <laughs> I was just thinking about this. We were watching Lord of the Rings recently. Uh, it was the first time I was showing Ryland Lord of the Rings. We watched them all. And um, Frodo, in all his wisdom, when they meet Strider, they're like, well, how do we know if he's good yeah. or if we can trust him? And Frodo's like, I trust him. Basically, if he was evil, I think he would seem fairer but yeah. feel fouler. Yeah. How do people encounter these beings that they're encountering? Sometimes they're fascinated with them because they're extraterrestrial or they're something yeah. they haven't experienced and they seem beautiful. It's and wonder. They feel, it's wonder. They feel fouler. Yeah. And it's interesting to me too because one of the things that I've, I've, I've I, we've talked about this I think in the past, but one of the things that we've constantly heard from people who have these experiences, whether it's, you know, using, using substances or whatever, they go into these things and their first reaction is, I don't belong here. Yep. Like I'm here, I'm experiencing this and it's right. amazing, but I don't belong here. Or they're told by whatever being they encounter, you're not supposed to be here yet. This or isn't your place. They're a little surprised that you're there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is this that one universal thread that runs through all of this that I find very interesting because it's still true. Regardless of what aspect, powers of darkness, light, whatever you want to call it, whatever aspect you're encounter encountering, you don't belong there. And in all those stories, usually these beings that they encounter are very interested to know about your physical body. How right. are you doing? How are you feeling? Like right. trying to bring healing to you or help you in some way because they're they're still very interested in your physical body. The UFO thing is all the aliens want to study your physical body or they want to beam you up and, and like right. research you or something. Right. That that always seems to crop up. But well, and it's also interesting too because you look at you look at biblical examples of this, right? And I'll even go further than that. You look at the the traditions of saints, whether it's in the Catholic or the Eastern Orthodox Church, when these people have certain spiritual experiences. So you think Peter on the rooftop and the and the sheet coming down, or or you think you know John on Patmos, you know having the the visions of Revelation, Prophet uh, Daniel, Isaiah, yeah, in Daniel, the throne whatever room. it may be, any yeah. of these people. It's never about them personally. Right. It's never like I'm going to give you like salvific knowledge that you don't quite understand, but that's gonna no, they already understood. You know, if you were Old Testament, you were following Yahweh, you were already, you know, worshiping, you were already aligned with with yeah. with faith. Your faith was already properly aligned. You know, later on it's it's the apostles, it's these people who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, understood what he did, saw him after the fact, you know, were were anointed with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, were the ones who carried the gospel out. So they're not getting new, fresh revelations of Christ. Right. They're not getting new, fresh, uh, okay, you got to go back to the church and tell them, now I expect this of them. Now, No, no, no. There are things that they're being told. There are things that they're being shown. You know, for Peter, it was, you need to change your attitude about Gentiles because I'm about to take you to a place. If nothing else, that was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soften the curve here a little bit before we get going because I don't want you to hit this wall. You and know, for Paul, it was like, 
hey, I'm the one you're persecuting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Stop it. It's me. Right. And he's like, aha, yes. okay. <laughs> and so I, I think that the nature of those things are very, very different. Right. And again, we do not control those things. We're, we are at the beck and call of the Holy Spirit. What he does is what he does. Right. And we do wherever wherever and whatever he wants. That's that's what it comes down to. So the idea of us being able to manipulate or deprive ourselves to a point where these things will happen, this is not the way we see it work in Scripture. This is not the way we even see it really work with, with the with the saints of, of old. You know, none, none of the traditions, none of the, none right. of the biblical things. Like, you, you don't see it. It's not there. Um, it's things that were happened upon by these people. They weren't expecting it. They weren't looking for it. And the Holy Spirit just did a thing. Yeah. I I always think it's a little convenient for Gnosticism that you've found a a pantheon and a mythos and a way of thinking that you get this secret knowledge and what does that do for you? Yeah. Now you're the smartest guy in the room. Right. And you can give this knowledge away to other people. And you have a pathway that you've discovered to get to a higher knowledge that's even higher than the God of the world. Christianity, yeah. God of this world. This world. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've found a way to basically make you more enlightened yeah. than the God of this world. And you don't need to obey the structures of man. Right. You don't need a religion. You don't need teaching. You don't need any of this stuff. And the funniest thing is, though, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about all Isn't of these... Isn't that convenient for you? Oh, I know. And I'm thinking about all of these these Christian cults. So yep. Mormonism, Christian science, uh, 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 Jehovah's Witness. Like, they all are basically Gnosticism hmm. plus things. Yeah, this idea with that, steps. Uh, yeah, with steps, with extra <laughs> steps. That's right. But it basically the the basic heresy about who God mm. is is almost universal. You even see it in Scientology. To be quite honest, mm. there's a yeah, lot. You got to get clear. Yeah, there's them. a lot yeah. of borrowed Gnosticism in Scientology, which again, L. Ron Hubbard was just a a shill that was that was trying to. Yeah, yeah he was he was a he was a writer, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was yeah. a bad science fiction yes, writer. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Who uh, then started his religion <laughs> and made a lot of money off of it. <laughs> this is what Scientology actually, actually believes. believes. <laughs> but but yeah, this is, and I think this is one of the reasons why why even Paul we see him talk about some of these things, and you and I were just talking about this in in uh, in Colossians. Now. Gnosticism came after Paul's ministry. That came later. But the things that were the right. building blocks of it were already starting to be talked about in the church, were already starting to be pushed forward, uh, mostly by Judaizers, by those these Jewish mystics who were trying to entice people away from uh, following following Christ and saying, no, 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 here's the actual way. Right. Um, and they, for, they had their own Gnostic Gospels. So right. you'll see like the Gospel of Judas or the Gospel of Thomas, Mary. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of things even even in in scripture that we see trying to steer us away from these modes of thought, but they're almost universally these modes of thought are are universally the things that you see in all of these different religions or thought New Age all of it all of it has this essence to it every right. bit of it, um, and again I would say aside from just you know 
traditional absolute like paganism, you know, where you actually believe in the Greek gods and the pantheons and those things. And I know how much you love traditional paganism. (laughs) (laughs) How traditional is it? Oh, modern paganism is kind of just people LARPing based on what they've been yeah. told about what pagan religions yes. are. Yes. And so can I just say this? This is an aside. <laughs> As we offend everyone yes. now. My, my brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> legitimately, listen, listen to my words. Please, please stop. Please stop treating Wiccans like they're Satanists. Please, for the love of all that is holy, <laughs> stop, because that is not... They're not witches. They're not witches like you're thinking. They're not They're not worshiping the devil. They don't think they're worshiping the devil, and you look stupid, because you don't like know what you're talking about. If you were going to take about. the words wicked and witches and put them <laughs> together, you would get wicked, and I know that's where that lives in your brain, but that's not what we're talking about. When they, That's not what they're talking about no, when they talk about it. But but. But Wiccans and and most modern like new wave pagans, your your description is perfect. They're LARPing. They don't know anything. This whole ancient knowledge idea and the ancient ways and the, it's all made up because we don't have it because these things were overwhelmed by Christianity and don't exist. There are no ancient writings. The for, teachings of the Druids no, they, does not, not have a direct we line. We don't know anything about the Druids. Nobody does. Nobody does. It's all it's all just it's all made up. And so when you come at these things as if they have some ancient dark they don't. They don't and they don't see the world that way and we look stupid when we try to when we try to preach at them or preach to them or condemn them in a way that has nothing to do with their worldview. They're pagans. They just practice a really weird my little pony version of it. <laughs> it's very care bears and weird. I don't understand why it has become a thing, but it's not real uh, in that sense. So please, please, please stop stop jumping on it as if it's Satanism because it's not. And even most, what we think of as American Satanism, like the Anton LaVey stuff, is not, it's just hedonism. It's just absolute hedonism. It, they, they wouldn't even acknowledge the actual spiritual being for the most part. It's all kind of weird, and, and I'm sorry, this is a... A thing I didn't want to get into, but there I, it is. I put you up. You to did it because you, I, I know. I, I know bait, what it is, and I took the bait. <laughs> um, but please, just stop. Like it's not. They're not these. They're just not worth. They're not worth doing that with. Uh, you look dumb because you don't know what you're talking about. Get you know. What did Ozzy Osbourne say when he was asked about it? That the only black magic I've ever done is the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, in Britain, there's he chocolate yes. brand that's called black yes magic. uh you know if nothing else read read the wikipedia page about about wiccanism or about modern paganism and you'll see it's 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 nothing it's all it's a bunch of hippies it's exactly what who the wanted devil to put, would want yeah, you who to wanted think. to put flowers in their hair and and you know larp with potions and and no deodorant and that's that's all it is it's just yeah uh, anyway, thanks, Sheldon. Thank you. For I'm that. glad that all of you were gifted with that because <laughs> I knew it was there and I wanted you guys to enjoy it. And that was tame. That was a tame version. But but it is interesting. I mean, basically all the all the divergences that you see from Christianity outside of Orthodox Christianity, Gnosticism is at its base. Whether people right. realize it or not, that's basically what it comes down to. And so I think ultimately what we're trying to say is is be aware of this. Be aware that right. this was something that the 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 apostles themselves warned against. This is something that early church fathers 
uh, actively campaigned against. Right. Um, you know, this was a, a, a known heretical thinking about who Christ was, about who we are in relation to God, about who God is. Everything uh, was thrown up in the air. And your physical body, though it is passing away, and though it is wearing out with age and all those things, it is good. Yes. Because God creates Adam and he says, it's very good. Right. And and God is not in the habit of making mistakes. Right. And he gave us this body to to use while we're here on earth, right. to inhabit, to experience everything that he has here for us in creation. So your physical body is good. People that tell you your physical body is bad, your red flags should be going up. Right. And let's stop reacting to <laughs> clever sounding Gnosticism mm-hmm. or funny sounding Gnosticism by saying they're they're just trying to make Satan look good and and all of this stuff. No, this is just a, a, a repackaged lie. You'd be like, oh, this is that lie again. Yep. I don't need to listen to this. I don't need to give it the time of day. Right. We're not going to get all wound up and and worked up about it. We're just going to be like, ah, the Gnostics are up to their old <laughs> their old tricks. <laughs> yeah, and and I, you know, when it comes to DMT and ayahuasca and all that stuff, it is interesting to hear people go on and on about some of that stuff, like on Graham Hancock and some of those people that are on Rogan. They'll they'll talk about this stuff for hours about yeah. how bad religion is and all of this bad stuff that comes out of religion. And if we could just all one of them even said, I I think that all politicians should have to go on DMT at some point <laughs> so that they could get through their heads that we're all just in this together and oh, you know man. something like that. And I'm like. Yeah, that's what we need. We need all of our politicians on DMT <laughs> as if what they're doing isn't bad enough. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. It 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 may all seem like, oh, that's interesting, but it all leads back to the same root. It all leads back to the same lie. And then you see something over here that it's like, oh, Satan is the protagonist and God is the bad guy. And I'm like, yep, that's Gnosticism. We don't need to watch it. Yeah. You, and the other thing is, even the Matrix, the the movie, the Matrix yeah. movies, all three of them, yeah. that's all Gnostic yeah. teaching. It's very much the dualism, and you're trapped in this physical realm. Star Wars, and yeah. very much has a lot of those aspects has, has to a it. Lot yeah. of it. And you, it's the palatable we enjoy religion. Star Wars. I enjoyed watching yeah. the Matrix. You do have to know when you encounter this stuff to be able to go ah. This isn't just something I'm going to get worked up about, but I do see the lie. Yeah. I see the error. I yeah. get where it leads back to. It leads back to me seeing the tree of knowledge of good and evil as, oh, that is one thing I want to touch on, as a gift to us and God being withholding and, yeah. and all of that. Here's the thing about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and this is the best explanation I've ever heard of it, and that is when God tells Adam and Eve you can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He's not being withholding. They already know good. Right. It could just be called the tree of evil. Yeah. The only thing Adam and Eve don't know is Is the evil. evil. Mm -hmm. They know the good or as much of the good has been revealed to them. God is planning on a lifetime of them discovering and rediscovering and deepening their discovering of good. Yeah. That's his plan. 
What they don't know is evil. And people are always like, well, why would the, you know, that seems like, why wouldn't God want us to know the knowledge of good mm. and evil? We have to know the difference. And how would we navigate life without knowing it? Because you would only know the good. Right. And that's one of the things. The that, only thing Satan offered them was the evil. Right. And that's one of the things I think is funny, what you mentioned earlier, referencing back to that whole idea of worship now versus worship. Yeah. Worship in heaven or worship, you know, after the resurrection, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk about it as. But it's interesting to me because I think about that in terms of, in terms of joy. Yes. Because joy or happiness that we tend to experience in life, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, it's joy that happens because we're no longer feeling a particular pain. Right. We feel joy because we're re- reunited with people that we haven't seen in a long time. And, and, and the joy that we have in getting to be together, getting to be in the same room, is, is a, an alleviation right. of the longing and the missing. Uh, you know, the, the, the joy of, of getting a, a uh, remission diagnosis from, from having aggressive cancer and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, no, this is, this is not a thing anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like, all of our joy, all of our happiness tends to be attached to not being sad, not being in pain, not being separated. Um, And so this idea of being perfectly united with God in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm as well, I guess, really when we get down to it, this this is something we don't understand. Like we have no way to grasp the idea of joy, of the joy of heaven, of the joy of eternity... We have no way to grasp that. Yeah. Not at all. Like we can't even compute that because we don't know every bit of those 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 emotions, those those feelings, those they're all attached to the bad part, the evil, Pain the knowledge of evil way. part. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that I find interesting in 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 terms of Adam and Eve. I've always thought to myself, I'm like, I wonder if they ever even sinned again after that. Because going from the perfect good yeah. And perfect communion and union with God to that mm. costing them that union and that costing them that. Now, I think they look back with a lot of regret. For sure. And yeah. sadness and sorrow. But I, I often look at that. I'm like, could you even, if you had experienced that for real, like mm. physically, not just spiritually, not just a spirit, but like a physical, actual presence of God that you were continually communing with in that way to suddenly nothing. Like nothing, no ability to have that contact or have that, no way back. I often wonder, like, would you even be able to do that again? Because you understood what it cost you. I think, yeah. I think people will do a lot to maintain freedom that they've been given. Mm. Sometimes the lack of hope is the hardest thing to overcome when you're dealing with temptation. Yeah. If there's no hope and it feels like there's no way out and there's no way back, that can be a really... Then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Might can as well be a really watch the world burn. Yeah. Yeah. Really defeating spot. And that's one of the hopes that we're given as Christians. Right. God says, I will always provide you a way out mm-hmm. in temptation. Yeah. Anyway, that's... We're not a, great at taking that it. That was but, a random little yeah. aside, both of those No, things, I get but, it. I like that perspective because... I always thought that's a really hopeless place to be for Adam and Eve. Yeah. It's like, man. Right. And again, the idea, though, that Yahweh reinitiated relationship right yeah, away. He, I did. Mean, he did. He and, did. 
He but created was, that hope of where are you and reigniting the conversation. And that's the rest of the story is God reigniting and kindling that conversation with humanity right. and, and trying to be in relationship with them. Yes. Jesus was not plan B. That's another heresy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That you have to watch out for if you get too deep into dispensationalism, because the, the idea then is that, you know, as soon as Adam and Eve messed everything up, then, oh no, well, I guess Jesus is Yeah, what's that favorite trope? The minute, the minute, <laughs> the minute that Adam and Eve took a bite of the apple, God was sending Jesus to the cross. I'm like, I, I mean, I get what you're trying to say with that, but no, that's, that's still not, wrong. That's not it. No, no. <laughs> he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation <laughs> of the world. It was always the plan. Always the plan. Oh, my word. Well, <laughs> there we go. We've gone round in circles here. I, hopefully this round and round has helped you. Yes. You can tell us about it if you're completely lost. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll try to do better next time. <laughs> That's right. No, but this was good. This was yeah. good to, to get some of this out and, and get to be here and uh, get to do this. this try out the new good. space. Yes, yes. And some new gear. Sheldon has new gear. I don't have new gear because... Mine didn't work right, and I got to send it back and get new, 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 new. But uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you want to email us the things we say at mail.com, uh, you can always subscribe and rate the podcast on the platform that you're listening to it on. Share it with a friend or an if enemy. If you found it helpful or, or an enemy or somebody that you think it would offend, <laughs> 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 since there's a lot of them in this one. Yes, we, um, we like that. But either way, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.